0: Christina Aguilera is in the studio today and she is doing some runs what did she eat
1: (laughs) what's up guys I'm Christina Aguilera I don't even know what she sounds like I can't do an appropriate parody of her
0: impression you mean
1: no I said what I said parody Mm -hmm. Uh, what because I'd be making fun of her
0: yeah it's still an impression impressions are inherently to make fun of the person are they I disagree. I disagree with the words I said. I disagree with the words you I said. I disagree with the words I said, so guess we're both... I'm glad
1: we're in agreement about this. guess we're both wrong. Our opinions are wrong. Often are. Hey there. Hey.
0: And welcome to the Wonder Binge Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about some shit, you know? Everyone, swing on over to my Instagram at... What the fuck is my Instagram handle? <laughs> wow.
1: I gotta ask, why are you asking people to swing over to your Instagram swing handle? Swing
0: over to my Instagram at Ria Monachino, to see a painting that I did of my D&D fiance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen her just like coyly tuck her hair behind uh, her ear. I love him so much. He's both adorable and, not and really real, and It's really sad to me. <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm very happy for you even though he's not real, but like. I love him so much though.
0: <laughs> anyway.
1: Anywho. Hey, we're what's up? I'm not going to
0: talk about that <laughs> anymore. How are you?
1: Um. Do you want the short answer or the long answer?
0: I immediately regret asking. I'll be completely honest with you.
1: <laughs> Shit. All right. Well, she wants the short answer, folks. I'm fine. How are you? <laughs>
0: I'm all right.
1: <laughs> Maria. Yes. As you know, do I went I? to Massachusetts re- recently. I went you to did. Boston recently you for a wedding.
0: You went to Salem. For I did a go to second. Salem. I was very jealous because well, I
1: like witch stuff. Be jealous no longer.
0: Are you about to gift me a thing? I'm <gasps> about to gift you a thing. Oh my god, it's a brown bag. Oh my god, she packed my lunch. It's heavy. It is heavy. Uh-oh.
1: There's two things in there. One's very small. Go for the small one first. It's in a tiny little white envelope.
0: Hello. Where's the envelope? It should be in there. Yeah. Okay, it's at the bottom. Bag sounds. <laughs> oh, it's so tiny. Okay. I warned you that it It says, was tiny. thank you with a heart. It fell out. No, it didn't. Is it still in here? Oh, it's so small. Oh, my God. Oh, it's a teeny tiny little piece of labradorite. Mm -hmm.
1: I have one of my own. It's a moonstone. Oh, my God. Have it on my earring.
0: I'm going to put it on my earring.
1: Marie and I, we both do this thing where we hang one charm off of one earring loop. It's because we are cute and asymmetrical. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) so tiny and cute i honestly i was very jealous of the one that I was giving you because i like yours better than i like mine but i couldn't i couldn't take the elaborate from you oh
0: i love it but we match oh my god we're so cute all right what is this heavy ass oh my god it's so wait it's so heavy excuse me am i gonna cry
1: i don't (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how how low is your emotional state
0: um Let's just put it this way, I've had a lot of reasons to cry, and I haven't, so I'm like worried about myself. What is- is it- what? I'm gonna- what?
1: Oh my god, she's tearing up! I didn't mean to make you cry,
0: you're supposed to be excited! This is fucking- this Jenna- OH MY GOD! (laughs) No, you spent $300 on this. I, I
1: didn't. It. It. I didn't spend you spent $300. At least
0: 75. This is so
1: big. <laughs> oh my God. Would you like to tell our listeners what's so big
0: here? Oh my God.
1: Since Maria's a little paralyzed right now, it's a giant labradorite rock, and Maria has a thing about labradorite.
0: This is insane. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. God! Well, there goes the recording, so I'm just going to stare at this all night.
1: <laughs> no, Marie, you're supposed to do notes today. Oh my god. It's your turn.
0: It's a good thing you didn't give me this sooner, because I would not have done notes.
1: You'd just be staring at it. I would have it. stared
0: at this all day. <sighs> so good.
1: Wait, can I actually look at it again? Because I haven't looked at it since I bought it. God, it's so good. It
0: was so, so pretty.
1: I honestly was like, I should get myself one, but then... I did not. I, really I just want to say
0: right now, I'm, I i want to make it clear, just because I love Labradorite does not mean that you need to stop yourself from having any.
1: Oh, no, 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 okay, no, Okay, good. No, no. That's not why I didn't like, get it for myself. <laughs> okay,
0: I just want to make sure that you're not, like, gatekeeping your own rock collection just because <laughs> I like a specific rock.
1: No, absolutely not. It was because I already bought myself a bunch of stuff.
0: Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> god it's beautiful
1: she likes it oh i'm gonna my give myself god. a high Oh, i just spilled tea all over my pants that's fine though you deserve it okay
0: <laughs> i
1: deserve tea on myself
0: no you deserve love and affection and everything i'm crying do you want to record an episode of our podcast
1: sure hey guys <laughs> uh i'm jen this is my lovely co-host maria hello this is wonder binge podcast where we You know what? You had a great summary recently.
0: Let me pull it back up because I don't fucking remember what I said. All right. Welcome to Wonder Binge, the podcast where we research binge on all those things that pique our curiosity and bring that knowledge back to you so that you can strike that curiosity off of your list and clear up space for more things to wonder.
1: What a great summary. Wow. I'm going to have to memorize that so I can say it sometimes, too. I like
0: it. Genevieve, I was thinking, I think on Wonder Binge here, we're due for a little story time.
1: Oh, heck yeah. We're due for some notes, for sure. <laughs> we're due for some
0: notes. I've got... Ooh, I didn't even notice. I've got six pages, baby.
1: Hell yeah, I'm gonna sit back then. I will say,
0: though, that it is in 13-point font. Don't ask me why. I know it's strange. Let it be, let it be. Hey, if it's easier to read, it's easier to read, baby. It's babe. easier to read, baby. But anyway, thought we were due for a story, something with some twists and turns, some surprises, etc. Was is my jaw
1: gonna drop?
0: Uh, maybe. Am I gonna cry? I don't think you'll cry.
1: Mm, will I be angry? I don't think... Will I I be indignant? You know what?
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes, I will be indignant. Defining indignant? Um, just so over the top offended by something that didn't even happen to me.
0: Yes, but that's just because you're very easily indignant.
1: I'm very easily indignant. And I feel like this is... But you're also very easily indignant,
0: depending on what it is. That's because I hate myself. Anyway, (laughs) today we (laughs) will be recounting the tale of John Lee... Also known as the man who couldn't be hanged.
1: Excuse me? So let's get into it. Does he just have a thick,
0: let's thick with two C's? Into thick. it. He,
1: she just did the hair tuck thing let's again. Get into it.
0: John Henry. Yes, that's his name. John-, <laughs> John Henry George Lee. So many first names.
1: Yeah. Oh, was man. Was born in. You can't trust a guy with a lot of first names.
0: You can't trust a man with a lot of first names. I have a friend with a lot of first names that I do trust with my entire heart. But... (laughs) John Henry George Lee was born in Devon, England on August 15th of 1864 and was a known thief throughout his adolescence. Okay. By age 20, Lee was fresh out of prison for for theft in 1884. And he got a job with his half sister, Elizabeth Harris, who served as the cook for a 68 year old spinster named Emma Casey at her beach residence known as The Glen in Babacombe Bay.
1: Good for this woman being a spinster, having her own business. Yeah, just want to throw that out there real quick. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So Casey had been a longtime friend of the Lee family and had known John as he was growing up. In fact, before he was released, she had written to the prison chaplain asking if John had been properly reformed so that she could hire him when he was released. Here's what her letter to the chaplain said. Quote, I hope I'm going to read it in a British accent because she's British.
1: Well, I like Is that it. OK? Oh, yeah, please do. OK.
0: And also because it just works because they use such fancy words. And by fancy words, I mean they're just articulate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Unlike us, we're not very articulate. Whoa, whoa. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Case in point. Okay. I hope you will excuse my troubling you, but I feel anxious to know what report you can give me of John Lee, whether he has conducted himself satisfactorily and whether those who have had much to do with him can give a good report and whether you consider that he is truly and really feels the great sin he has been led into and whether he is really penitent. Whatever the response was from the prison chaplain must have sounded good to her because she decided to give him a chance and hire John as a footman at her residence.
1: Okay, so remind me again, how old is he at this point?
0: He is 20 years old. 20 years old. Yes. And he has, has just been released from prison. From a foreign? For being a theft.
1: Uh, being being a theft. thief. Sorry. <laughs>
0: he was in prison for theft. I don't know how long. Okay. Um, but he was just released. And the so you understand, the prison chaplain is like the prison priest.
1: He's the... Oh, he's not like the warden. No. Gotcha. He's like the
0: priest. Um, He'll come up later okay. again. But... Not long after hiring John in the early morning hours of November 5th, 1884, Elizabeth Harris, John Lee's half sister and Mm -hmm. Casey's cook, woke up to the smell of smoke and found part of the house on fire. (gasps) John had run to a nearby pub to raise the alarm, shouting that Miss Casey is burnt to death. So a report in the Devon newspaper, the Express and Echo, two days later on the 18th, sorry, two days later on the 17th, described the scene found in the dining room, where, quote, a horrible discovery was made. Lying on the floor was the lifeless body of Miss Casey. There was a deep gash across her throat. The right side of her head was smashed in. Her right leg and foot and other parts of her body were burnt and charred.
1: Jesus.
0: Once the fire was extinguished, the investigation began immediately.
1: Clearly a homicide.
0: Yes. So Emma had employed several servants at the Glen, but Lee was the only male. Really? Yes.
1: Oh, oh. okay.
0: She had also recently informed him that she was selling the house and would be cutting his pay. That, along with some other circumstantial evidence, such as a cut on his arm, was enough for Lee to quickly become a suspect. And he was soon arrested on the suspicion of murder. Upon his arrest, he had remarked to the arresting officer... Oh, on suspicion. That's all right. Being like, I understand that you're taking me in because you need to you need suspects. Right. Okay, yeah. That's fine. So he was very nonchalant about it. He was like, on suspicion. That's all right.
1: Makes sense. Yeah.
0: So even though the murder weapon was not found, nor was there any blood found in his room, John Lee was charged and sent to trial. <gasps> Wait,
1: he was charged?
0: Yes. So evidence against Lee at this point was still purely circumstantial. He had a criminal record, and it was reported that his socks smelt of paraffin. But aside from that, and the apparent pay cut motive, that was about it.
1: When you say smelt of paraffin, is that just um? Paraffin is
0: like a flammable wax.
1: Okay, yeah, and like I knew it was something flammable. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't remember it what it was. Yeah, not gonna lie, I when I hear the word paraffin, I think of the freaking church song. They sing that's of seraphims, seraphim. and yep, I I know, <laughs> I know. But that's what I like. Where my brain goes.
0: <laughs> in fact, Miss Casey had initially employed him to redeem his character, and he had reportedly never had an angry word with his mistress, which is what they called a, I, I know. a woman employer. Um, I did have
1: a cringe in my in my throat yeah. though when I heard it.
0: Yeah, but anyway, in February of eighteen eighty-five, this is three months later. Lee faced his trial, assuming, quote, an apparent air of indifference to the serious position in which he was placed, although his appearance had apparently undergone a decided improvement. So basically he showed up, he didn't seem all that stressed out about it, and he looked good.
1: Interesting. So what does that what does that say to you? Because I personally take that as like the indifference I take as almost reluctance, perhaps, because it's like maybe he's just not surprised.
0: Maybe. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Because like if he came in looking all disheveled, I feel like that would be guilt. Oh, like his nerves are racked and he hasn't. Maybe I don't know. But then coming in looking very nice is like, oh, you're trying. You're trying. But also you're supposed to try. So I have no idea. Yeah, this is This is 1800s twisted. England. I don't know what that means then.
1: It could mean anything at any point, like any, like you could twist literally any tiny little action yeah, to make it fit whatever theory you're going for. Yeah.
0: But please continue. At Lee's trial, his half-sister, the cook Elizabeth Harris, also employed by Emma, eagerly testified against him.
1: Against him?
0: Yes. She claimed that John had come into the kitchen crying, saying that Miss Casey was only going to pay him two shillings a week and that he swore he would have his revenge.
1: Ooh. Okay. I'm interested to know if she has a motive for being against him, though, instead of that being true.
0: With Harris's statement and the circumstantial evidence, Lee was convicted and sentenced to hang.
1: Shit. Oh, right. That's that's how the story started. This is the man who mm-hmm. he can't be hanged. <laughs>
0: yes. So he was convicted and sentenced to hang, but he maintained his innocence all the way to the gallows. Days before his execution date, Lee made one final effort to clear his name. He told the prison chaplain, John Pitkin, that another man had been at the glen the night of the murder. Lee said that the man was there with Elizabeth Harris, and he believed it to be a fisherman named Cornelius Harrington. But he wasn't sure. He said that his sister would know the man's name.
1: Oh, I wonder if Cornelius is doing hanky panky with the sister. Is that a weird assumption?
0: Um, He is an old man.
1: OK, never mind. <laughs> Not that it can't happen, but unlikely.
0: So Gerald de Courcy Hamilton, the Chief Constable of Devon, investigated Lee's claims and wrote back to Pitkin, saying, quote, "And here's more uh, British Maria, but i'm going be Ooh. I'm going to be a constable now, so it's going to be a bit bit weirder, okay.
1: Oh please make it weird. I want to know what your constable sounds <clears throat> like specifically.
0: I have the honor to inform you that I have personally made careful inquiries in order to ascertain if there is any truth in them, and that I can arrive at no other conclusion." That then, than that they are absolute fabrications. Harris said that Lee was lying. Harrington was a respected fisherman who was never known to step foot on Casey's property and was confirmed to Hamilton to have been in his quarters that night. Ha! Huh. By Harris. The extreme circumstantiality of the convict's statement defeats its own object and establishes its falsity and is moreover contradicted on numerous important points by incontrovertible evidence of facts says Hamilton. Says
1: Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of like your constable voice you. better than your um better than Emma's
0: voice. <laughs> I, I, same. So Lee's execution went ahead as planned. <sighs> On February 23rd, 1885, Lee climbed the scaffold at Exeter Prison where he stood awaiting the drop. But when the executioner, a man by the name of James Berry, pulled the lever, the trapdoor failed to open. Oh. So here is a summary of what Chief Constable Hamilton wrote about the event. I had his full quote. It was very all over the place. I would have loved to have read it in the fun voice, but I'm going to summarize so that we understand what's going on. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So as Lee reached the place of execution, he was placed by the executioner, Barry, under the crossbeam that the rope hung from. Sure. Lee was faced outwards with his feet on either side of the center split of the trapdoor. Okay. Barry then quickly and skillfully bound Lee's feet at the ankles, basically so that he couldn't, like, separate his legs and catch himself on the edges. Yeah, sure, sure. Barry put on his executioner's cap, Mm -hmm. adjusted the noose around Lee's neck, stepped back, and pulled the iron trigger handle. At this, the footboards dropped out only a quarter of an inch and then appeared to be jammed together. Oh. Seeing this, and here's... This is kind of insane. Seeing this, the executioner, as well as some prison officials that were standing by, began stomping on the boards to try to get them to move with no success. Wait, really? They literally were like this like this man is on technically an open trap door. And they're just stomping on it, trying to get it to fall And out. he's
1: probably just, like, bouncing in place. Like. <laughs>
0: he, well, I don't Well, okay. So Barry had Lee step off and he examined the, the mechanism without anyone on it. And it seemed to work perfectly fine. So he tried again. No way. So as Lee stood there a second time with the noose securely around his neck, the trap once again failed. So after some seconds, the prisoner's face was uncovered and he was led away to a room in the prison to wait.
1: That is so morbid. Like, you were just at your death site, essentially what was supposed to be your death site. They said, shit, this ain't working. Give us a minute. And then you have to wait.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was it was go through that horror of like, and here's the thing about an execution is the worst part is the moments before. Right, like So waiting. to have to experience that now twice.
1: Yeah, the false start and then the inevitable, it seems. Yeah, so... But it seems that they've tried multiple times by your intro, so yeah. I'm very curious to see what happens next. Well,
0: some cuts were made to create a bigger gap between the two doors, and one of the warders <laughs> stood on it to test it, obviously without anything around his neck. Sure. The lever was pulled and the trap opened as it was supposed to.
1: And he fell through.
0: Yeah, so... When Lee was returned to the scaffold, this time they're like, it has to work. It didn't. It didn't work. (laughs) And so after the third attempt to hang Lee, the attending medical officer refused to take part in further proceedings. He was like, I'm not staying for this. This is fucking (laughs) ridiculous.
1: I mean, you said that they made a bigger gap. They didn't have power tools back then. So they literally had to take like an hour at least to saw those goddamn boards to be shorter. (laughs)
0: Um, I'm not sure if it was that long So Pitkin, the prison chaplain, he had read over his burial service four times in the time that it was taking. Oh my like he God. was like, he was like practicing it, like reading it over. Mm-hmm. He was able to read through it four times in the time that it was taking. And he at he, at a certain point, he was like, this, it's enough. This is, is enough." Is yeah. So he he wrote more than 30 minutes had elapsed since I first began the service at the condemned cell. Then, when I saw the helpless confusion that prevailed, the great mental suffering through which the culprit had passed, and the improbability of the scaffold working, I joined with the medical officer in an appeal to the undersheriff to postpone the execution. Great cruelty would have characterized further effort to carry out the sentence that day.
1: What do you mean by, wait, great cruelty?
0: Basically, it was more cruel to keep trying. Oh, yeah. To have Lee go through that over, over, and, over and over again. Mm-hmm. So the execution was halted and Lee was returned to his cell.
1: It's interesting that they saw, like, they had humanity in that moment, you know? Well, because, like, I would not have expected them to. Well,
0: well, here's the thing about that is the whole point of those sorts of old-timey executions was, like, it's quick.
1: Right. Yeah. Because that rope is it's not you're not supposed to choke. You're supposed to have your neck snapped.
0: (laughs) It's a short drop and a sudden stop. Right. But anyway, a report of the incident was sent to Home Secretary Sir William Harcourt, who said it would shock the feeling of anyone if a man had twice to pay the pangs of imminent death. Basically Mm -hmm. meaning like it would fuck you up to have to go through that more than once. So this is what um, the paper The Guardian wrote. In spite of the peculiar atrocity of his crime, it is impossible not to feel some pity for a man who was thus doomed to undergo three times a great part, perhaps the greater part of that penalty, which the law condemned him to suffer once. Right. So with the public's opinion now in play Mm -hmm. of that was cruel to keep doing it. Right. Lee's sentence was commuted to life in prison. Really? They changed his sentence. A friend and neighbour of Casey told London newspaper The Times, quote, and this one, this one is funny. It appears that John Lee, who broke the skull and cut the throat of his benefactress and then set fire to her body, is not to be hanged, as owing to the rain on Sunday night, the drop will not work easily the next morning. It should be announced in future, all executions will take place, weather permitting. <laughs>
1: i i love the newscaster spin <laughs> on that whole thing it's so surprising to me that like the public care i don't know i guess my brain is coming from a time where like with the witch trials like they clearly didn't care about people suffering and i know this isn't necessarily the same time period well some people did care
0: Some a well, lot of yeah. people did care i'm sorry
1: yeah a lot of people cared i met the people like putting them through that
0: even the people carrying out the executions cared it was the it, it was the fear of God that was, like, a higher concern for them. That's fair. So why didn't the trapdoor work?
1: Why didn't the trapdoor work? Do you
0: want to guess since you're, um like, a woodworker and stuff? Well, since you're, like, a carpenter or whatever?
1: <laughs> well, if I could see the mechanism, I feel like I'd have a better, you know, a better opinion on the matter. But if I had to guess, obviously, it has something to do with the weight, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. The guy who tested it, I wonder what his weight ratio was to um to to Mm lease and if that has anything to do with it like is lee heavier is lee lighter than the guy who tested it that would definitely have a factor but i couldn't say just off the top of my head i'd have to i feel like i'd have to see it
0: okay so prison officials had speculated at first that since it was a damp day perhaps the wood planks of the scaffold had swollen with rainwater and caused the failure Hmm. however further examination revealed that the boards were dry and that Lee's life had actually been spared by no more than an eighth inch misalignment of the iron draw bolt that held the trapdoor in place.
1: I, I had a feeling it was something that stupid.
0: One eighth of an inch. An eighth of an inch. Remind me, what is the, the leeway that uh, Tom used to say we could have? A sixteenth, which is half of that. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's half of an eighth. <laughs> that was Tom was our shop teacher, for those of you who don't know. Yeah, that's that's yeah, their colors. But yeah, when dollars. I when I
0: read that that the first thing I thought I was like, what was the number that Tom said? Because
1: sixteenth.
0: <laughs> <16th. laughs> that's so funny. So the scaffold had originally been constructed in a different building at the prison, and when that building was torn down in 1882, the scaffold was disassembled and moved to a new location. Oh. So that might be why things got fucky. Hmm. There had only been one execution at Exeter since the move, and the door functioned as it was supposed to. But when Lee stood on the scaffold, his weight caused the hinges to press against the bolt and prevent it from sliding free.
1: Wow, but it worked when that guy tested it, when that other guy tested it.
0: Yeah, so I have no idea.
1: That's so strange.
0: Um, This is what Barry- Maybe they just like
1: pulled it harder or something. Maybe,
0: I don't know. This is what Barry, the executioner, wrote in his report of the incident. He said, I am of the opinion that the ironwork catches of the trapdoors were not strong enough for the purpose, that the woodwork of the doors should have been about three or four times as heavy, and with ironwork to correspond so that when a man of Lee's weight was placed upon the doors, the iron catches would not have become locked, as I feel sure they did on this occasion, but would respond readily. So far as I am concerned, everything was performed in a careful manner, and had the iron and woodwork been sufficiently strong, the execution would have been satisfactorily accomplished.
1: So you're saying that the, the so he's doors saying, he's were saying the wood- not heavy enough? He's
0: saying that the, the, the wooden footboards were not heavy enough, and also the... The like hardware should have been a higher, higher grade, higher grade, basically. Yeah. But yeah, so Lee's new sentence of life in prison ended 22 years later after he successfully petitioned for his release in 1907 at the age of 42.
1: Good for him. And he I then guess?
0: began touring the country telling his story.
1: Of course. I. But I'm I'm still like, did he actually kill her? I know I shouldn't be stuck on that because the story is about the fact that he escaped death. I don't
0: know. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll hear more about it. I don't know. Are there more notes? I'm only on page four of six. (gasps) Oh, shit. There's more notes. So Lee claimed in a letter to his sister that, quote... It was the Lord's hand that would not let the law be carried out. Of course. And he, Bring the Lord into it. You and gotta. he earned the nickname, the man they couldn't hang. Although some people viewed him as the man that shouldn't hang. Oh. Some people in the public like saw this and were like, good, don't try it again. Yeah. <laughs> like this man deserves to be free.
1: <laughs> the Lord said no. <laughs> <Yeah>. Twice.
0: <laughs> three times.
1: Oh, it was three times. Three
0: times. So he went on to marry a respected nurse named jesse augusta bold two years after his release in 1909 their son john was born the following year then in 1911 lee abandoned jesse and young john in lambeth workhouse leaving her destitute and pregnant with their second child (gasps) what and what happened to lee was a bit of a mystery for a long time after that
1: where the fuck was he
0: but we've learned some things
1: where the fuck was this man? Why am I more angry about the fact that he left his pregnant wife than him oh, potentially Oh, he was, he was killing... a shitty guy. Yeah. Like,
0: wh- whether whether he killed Emma or not, he was a shitty guy. But anyway.
1: Tell me why. It I was, need to know more. It
0: was commonly speculated that Lee had gone overseas and died there until a historian made a discovery in 2002. A death certificate, an unmarked grave, suggested that Lee had died in a workhouse in Tavistock, England, and was buried there.
1: He left his wife to go, go to a workhouse?
0: But Lee did not, in fact, die in England. No? Because in 2009, researchers Mike Holgate and Ian Waugh discovered a trail of documents. Which, if anyone is interested, I highly recommend the article summarizing all of the accumulated research. It's on murderresearch.com, and we'll post the link in the episode description. It's really fascinating. They have everything. But basically, according to Holgate and Waugh, I don't know how to say his name, I'm sorry. It's W-A-U-G-H. I would think Waugh. Okay. So according to Holgate and Waugh's findings, when his fame began to fade, Lee boarded a ship in Southampton bound for America on February 19th of 1911. He was accompanied by Adeline Gibbs, a woman who was fleeing her own marriage and according to the ship's manifest, claimed to be Jesse Lee, his wife. Wait, what? She boarded the ship with him and signed her name in as his wife. So Lee sent money back to his wife for a few weeks but it wasn't long before he wrote to inform her that he would no longer be able to help. Soon after, Adeline gave birth to a baby girl in 1914 and named her Evelyn. Oh, he didn't
1: leave her behind. Okay.
0: So the convicted, <laughs> devic- <laughs> so the convicted killer and his mistress. <laughs> this, uh, wait, time, this time, this the time, the actual meaning, mistress. Yeah. Um. So the convicted killer and his mistress settled in. Do you want to guess where in the states they settled? New York. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, baby. Wisconsin. <laughs> so they settled in Milwaukee, where they started a new life. Unfortunately, their daughter Evelyn met a tragic end at the age of 19. On October oh, wow. 12th, 1933, just a week after she had started working as a maid for Dr. Arthur Kovac she was found dead on his bathroom floor. Oh. Evelyn had been found by Kovac who discovered that she had become overwhelmed by the noxious fumes of naphtha while cleaning the draperies and died of accidental asphyxiation, which is why when you are using heavily chemical cleaning products, please have proper ventilation. This
1: has been a PSA <laughs> this from
0: Warner Bros. <laughs> So some articles about the incident incorrectly reported that John Lee himself was the one that died in 1933, I'm lending sorry. more to the mystery of his fate.
1: <laughs> Wait, a minute, I'm so confused. Um, How did that get so mixed up? I don't
0: know. But did Forrest... they just see Lee and go, "What?" I, 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 I. Well, Forest Home Cemetery records show that Lee bought three plots in 1937. When he died on March 19th of 1945 at the age of 80, Lee was laid to rest beside Evelyn. Adeline okay. died in 1967 and was also interred beside Evelyn. So Lee is actually dead at this point. He's
1: actually dead. He
0: actually died at age 80 in 1945.
1: But oh, that was the end of World War II. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> not that why it not? matter really at all. But I just remembered that. Please continue.
0: <laughs> well, Lee always maintained his innocence. Even claiming later that his sister, Elizabeth Harris, yes. had confessed to the murder on her deathbed to a man named Major Pearson from the Salvation Army. No way. But researchers have been unable to locate any records proving the existence of a Major Pearson.
1: So Lee's making this up too? Who knows? Who knows? And so... Because he supposedly made up that thing about the fisherman from the beginning when they when they were first convicting him for the murder...
0: Here's my thing every claim against him was made by Harris.
1: That's true, so that's kind of damning against her, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So, like, but it's a very, she's it's very like, much a he said, she said, at yeah. That
0: point. yeah.
1: But they're gonna take her side because he's already
0: been to jail. Both of them lived out the rest of their lives, so who knows? It's but true. uh, basically, John Lee. The man who was convicted of murder in England survived hanging three times and became an Edwardian celebrity. lived out the <laughs> remainder of his years in anonymity in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> what a place to be! What a place to be! <laughs> and that is the story of John Lee.
1: Shit. Okay, that was a that was a shorty, but a goody. Yeah. I wow. You know, not gonna lie to you. I expected them to actually try like a couple days later to try and like hang him again. And it have was it, it was
0: too cruel. They couldn't.
1: That would be pretty cruel.
0: I mean, it's it. I, I think it would be cruel to keep trying after the first failure.
1: I mean, I could see them, like...
0: I feel like there are rules in place now that, like, for, like, current death penalty stuff, I feel like there are rules in place of if it doesn't work, they don't try again.
1: Yeah, I, I would assume so. Can we look that up? Sure. Milwaukee. Oh,
0: wow, okay. So... Um, there, there used to be this idea of what they called the double jeopardy clause, and it was believed that like the condemned is allowed to go free or their sentence is changed or whatever if an execution fails. However, that is not the case. Apparently, if, if something fails, they do try again. They do. The, the, the actual language of a death sentence is always very clear on this matter, and it's it almost always stipulates that the condemned suffer the given method of execution until dead.
1: So they just try and So try they and would try. just keep
0: going. Yeah.
1: But from that I would assume that they don't like take them away from the execution and then bring them back. They just keep them there and figure it out.
0: I I guess or so, or if they had to, they would do what they did with Lee and like have him wait in a cell while they figure out what's going wrong and then bring him back out.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I'm assuming I'm assuming it's like them t- Huh, you know what? I don't know.
0: I don't know either. I don't know if I want to know.
1: I don't know if I want to know either. <laughs> I'll,
0: be, I'll be honest. I don't
1: really know if I want to know. <laughs> either way, it's, it's pretty messed up. Yeah, um. <laughs> it's,
0: it's pretty fucked up, dude. Um,
1: I wanted to ask you this while you were talking, but I didn't want to interrupt you. So, to go back to the very beginning when Lee was basically like, like, oh, it makes sense that you think I'm a suspect, that you would have me as a suspect. I've always wondered how I would actually react in a situation like that because, like, Say, say someone close to me is killed. I would assume that they would talk to me. Like I'd be one of the first people that they talk to because I'm close to them. Can I tell you something? Go ahead.
0: I have been just a little bit hyper fixated on the other day when you said that you imagined a horrible death for me. It was tragic. It really stuck with me and I don't like that you did that. <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> well, I don't like it. So
1: I'm sorry. So
0: right now you're like, well, how would I react? My immediate thought is I'm the one that died. Because she, she said that.
1: I didn't imagine it on purpose. It
0: was more of a like... <laughs> you take responsibility for your brain. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would like an apology in writing. But anyway, how would you respond, Jen? How do you think? Um,
1: I mean, I would like to say that I would respond similarly. Like, say, okay, it makes sense that I'm under investigation. But like, if they pursued me, and I knew that I didn't do anything wrong, like, that would fucking suck. How do you combat that? I don't know. With a lawyer. With a, well, yeah, with a lawyer. Yeah, with a it lawyer. Happens all the time, bud. <laughs> I know, but emotionally. <laughs> emotionally.
0: Oh, did you, Did have you checked our Wonderman email? No. Someone emailed about your laundry situation.
1: Excuse me?
0: We literally, check our email, we literally have an email from uh, a person called Howard, and it's addressing- Howard's my uncle. Your laundry. Magazine? Oh remember the no. laundry analogy you made about your mental oh state
1: oh no i, I to have sought the help of a laundry professional oh my god i thought you meant my actual physical laundry from minute. no like, why is someone talking about <laughs> my dirty clothing
0: no the dirty clothing in your mind dear oh my
1: goodness
0: if you want to shock jenna Email us at wonderbingepod at gmail.com. Oh,
1: wow. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to look at any of our social media posts, you can find us
0: on all, all social media at if you, Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else do we say?
1: I don't know.
0: Rate review us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher.
1: I'm still trying to... Howard. If
0: you're, <laughs> Howard. If you're
1: listening, thank you for your email. I'm sorry that I haven't seen it. Maria got to it before I did i check my email daily i do not as you can tell oh my god i refuse to have unreads the laundry professional (laughs) i love that so much if i start calling my therapist my laundry professional
0: (laughs) do it say it to their face
1: anyway thanks for your story
0: i really like the rock you gave me
1: i'm glad you like it it does have some really cool flashes it's almost like a crisscross like like um hatching pattern it's got layers
0: Ogres have layers.
1: Everybody loves Parfait.
0: Everybody loves Parfait. In the morning, parfait. I'm making waffles. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, wait. Yo, you want to make some waffles like right now? Thank you for listening to Wonderbench Podcast. We're going to go make some fucking waffles. Hell yeah. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.